And the program and the certification isn't for everyone. But before you can form an opinion, you really have to understand and know what the program is and what we're trying to achieve. Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. My guest on the show today is Tony Speechy. He is the Executive Director of the GIS Certification Institute and today on the podcast we're talking about being certified as a GIS or geospatial professional. So if you're not familiar with the idea of GIS certification, Tony's going to talk about what it means to be a certified GIS professional or geospatial professional. He's going to talk about the requirements, what the process looks like today and what the, what the future of the certification might look like. Hi Tony, welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the, the GISP certification, the GIS professional certification. You know a lot about this. And I think before we get into that side of the conversation, would you mind just introducing yourself to the listeners, perhaps telling us where you are now in terms of your GIS, geospatial career, and, and how you got there? Thank you, Daniel, and thank you for inviting me. It's an honor to be here. My name is Tony Speechy, and I am the Executive Director of the GIS Certification Institute, or GISCI. I'm fairly new to this role. I've been in this role a couple months, and it represents a new career for me. I recently retired from the Missouri Department of Conservation, where I began my GIS career the old school way, using command line ARC info. The Department of Conservation, I started a GIS program and was able to foster it into an enterprise program for all the users within our agency. While I was busy doing that, I was also very heavily involved in geospatial coordination throughout the United States. So I was active in a number of different groups, including the National States Geographic Information Consortium as well as the Coalition of Geospatial Organizations. All of those organizations worked with the federal government on GIS policy and GIS programs for the nation. And while I wasn't doing that, I was busy as a volunteer firefighter and a member of Missouri Task Force One. Missouri Task Force One was one of the very first task forces in the United States Urban Search and Rescue System to use GIS on deployments. And indeed, we were using GIS back in the World Trade Center deployment in September of 2001. And so I'd like to think I've had a pretty fulfilling life using geospatial, not only as a career, but also in my volunteer opportunities. So what made you want to get involved with the GIS Certification Institute? What was the draw to that? And what, why was that interesting for you now in your career? It was an opportunity that came to me towards the end of my career with the Department of Conservation. And I was eligible to retire, uh, which I took advantage of that opportunity so I can start a new career. The biggest interest for me was I was initially not 100% supportive of the GISP program. But as I began to learn more, and as I obtained my GISP, I realized the value of this to our professional society. And when the opportunity became available for me to be the executive director, I jumped on it because I think it tied together a lot of the activities that I have done in my previous careers and trying to move the geospatial forward for the profession. This is an absolute perfect segue into, into my next question, which, which is a very obvious one, but I think it's going to be a, a good starting point for this conversation. If you had to describe the, the GISP to someone who had never heard of it before at a cocktail party, how would you describe it? I would describe the GISP certification as a demonstration of one's commitment to the behaviors that enrich our geospatial profession. It's an indication that somebody wants to be more than just a very simple worker. 
but somebody that wants to be a part of our community and help it move forward. And perhaps you could tell us about the the process. So, so let's say that sounds great. I, I want to do this. I want to enrich our profession. I, I want to be more. I want to be an, an advocate for for GIS geospatial. And I've decided, hey, that this GISP certification is for me. What does the process look like? The process for becoming a GISP is very similar to most professional certifications. There's really three components. One is that you apply and submit a portfolio which details your professional experience, your contributions to the profession, and your educational background. The second piece is to pass a geospatial exam that we administer. And then the third piece is to read, understand, and commit yourself to an ethics statement that all GISPs are required to abide by. So perhaps we could start with this examination first. Do I need to understand how a specific piece of software works to do this, to take part? Or is it software agnostic? The exam is a technology agnostic tool that we use to measure the competency level of the geospatial professionals across the entire industry. You do not need to have specific knowledge of any software program in order to be successful in taking the test. Can you give me an idea of some of the things you're, you're wanting to test in the exam? The exam itself is based off of a blueprint that is created every three to four years. And that blueprint looks at what is current in the geospatial industry. The current blueprint that we're using has questions from 45 different subject areas that can be broken down into 10 conceptual areas. So we're really looking at basics of the industry. And those include conceptual foundations and fundamentals, cartography, visualization, data acquisition, manipulation, and analysis, database design and management, application development, system design, and professional practice. The exam itself is written for somebody that's had at least four years of experience in the geospatial field. So it really keys on knowledge as well as knowledge acquired through the profession. This might be a a silly question, but when I was at, at university, for example, and you were studying for an exam, there was required reading, right? So we had been studying and practicing for the exam before we go to it. Is there something I can do to practice for, for this exam? There are a lot of things that you can do to practice for this exam. Probably the simplest thing to do is to go to our website and download the blueprint. The exam blueprint gives you a detailed listing of all the different subject areas that you need to learn from. And so that blueprint provides you a map in which you can direct your studying. We also offer an online practice exam, which is a little bit shorter than the actual exam itself. And it is also a tool that you can use to first evaluate your knowledge. You'll get a score. You can see where your areas of improvement are. Do that studying and then take the test a second time to see how much you've learned and how much you've grown. Unfortunately, as anybody who's been in the geospatial industry can tell you, there's not a single book that can provide all the answers. So we do provide study guides and that blueprint to point you in the right direction and help guide you as you look towards those resources to help you study for the exam. You mentioned this certification is made up of three pieces. The first one what was this exam, and you've done a great job of sort of walking us through that, telling us what it's about, and how we could perhaps prepare ourselves for that. The next bit I want to talk about is the portfolio. And I believe that you used the idea of we could demonstrate contributions to the, the geospatial world, to the GIS community. Could you say a little bit more about the portfolio? 
what are you looking for? Absolutely. So in the portfolio, we are looking at three different areas. One is education. So continuing the knowledge gaining process as you move through your career. The second piece is experience. So actually working in the geospatial industry. And then the third piece is the contributions to the profession. That is a very broad category. And there are a number of different ways that folks can contribute to the profession. Most folks contribute through participation in professional societies. And we don't really define which professional societies apply. We keep it very broad. As long as the professional society is doing something to advance the geospatial industry, it counts in that portfolio. And so examples of activities would be serving on a board or serving on a committee, having a leadership role in one of those organizations, participating in educational events such as conferences or seminars or workshops. A lot of our GISPs get their contribution points through volunteering. There are a number of very successful volunteer GIS programs and a lot of opportunities for folks to volunteer at the local level and provide their GIS skills to a group or an organization as a service. And indeed, most of our folks are involved at some level in in volunteering at some level in participating in professional societies, doing any type of academic activity, posters, data sharing, presentations, the like. Again, the idea is you're going to give back part of your time to our profession and the community to help spread the use of geospatial and to help enrich our profession and society. Would making contributions to open source software projects, would would they count for, for this? Absolutely. Again, you know, the whole point of the GISP is to advance our profession. And so if you're contributing to open source software, that would absolutely count as a contribution. I think the the third piece uh, of this was ethics. Would you mind explaining to the listeners what, what you mean by that? We ask that all of our GISPs commit to ethics in four key areas. They are obligations to society, obligations to employers and funders, obligations to colleagues and the profession, and then obligations to individuals and society. And what might those obligations be? Is it just be a good person or do the the best work you can, or is it something deeper? I think it is those things and more. Really, it's the, the whole point of the ethics is that you're going to commit yourself to integrity, honesty, and promote those ideas within the profession. So examples would be doing the best work possible, contributing back to our geospatial and broader community to the extent possible, speaking out about issues, making sure that the quality of your work is is exceptional. We have a lot of opportunity right now with the pandemic and other geospatial applications in the health field to ensure that we are providing the best possible data so that decisions that could be made on individual health as well as collective health are done with the best possible data. And so part of that ethics is that you're not simply going to just do the job and walk away. You're going to do the job to the best extent that you're capable of. And if the data itself or the product itself doesn't meet the standards that are necessary for the requirements, you're going to find a way to get them to those standards and make sure that the folks that are working with that information know and understand the limits of the data itself. Thank you very much for for walking us through that. Is there any kind of consequences if I am found to be not upholding these ethics? An ethics process that we do have available through the GIS Certification Institute 
if somebody brings a complaint uh, against an individual and against their ethics, that complaint is brought forward to a panel that will review the complaint and the information associated with it. They will investigate and then they will make a decision. If the individual GISP has been found to violate the code of ethics, the GISP certification will be removed from that individual. Can you point to any other sort of um, geospatial adjacent industries where where we see the similar kind of uh, standards and and certification with these similar expectations? I I guess what I'm looking for here is just something we can compare ourselves to, to see that this has been deployed successfully in, in other domains. Well, I can't speak to any of the individual certifications outside of the GISP as they relate to ethics because I'm not aware of them. I can say that within the surveying community, which is in the United States a professional licensure, there is a legal obligation to uphold the principles and the responsibilities of a land surveyor. And so in this particular case, if they are negligent in their work, they can face some type of legal ramification for what they've done. Because surveyors are licensed in the United States, again, that is a legal type of licensure and professional achievement. We do not have licensure. We have certification with the GISP program. And so there is not a legal obligation, which is why we put in that ethical statement. There is no legal obligation to a GISP, but there is an ethical obligation that we expect all GISPs to abide by. So we talked about the exam, we talked about the portfolio, and we talked about the, the ethics side of things. When I'm in the process, going through this process, do I have an understanding how long the, the process is? Is it transparent? Can I see where I am at the moment? If I fail along the way, do I get feedback? Will you tell me I didn't pass because of you know these mistakes or we were looking for this in your portfolio and, and we didn't see it? I guess generally what I'm asking, how transparent is the certification process? We try to be as transparent as possible. With the portfolio itself, we're not going to fail you on the portfolio. If something's missing or you don't have enough points, we're we're just going to work with you one-on-one to make those changes and make sure you get everything in there correctly. Again, we've never really had anybody not get the portfolio requirement done. And the portfolio is put into a web page where you can actually go and add to your existing portfolio and see the history at any point. So everything you put in that portfolio is available to you online 24-7. With the exam, uh, when folks take the exam, it takes about four weeks before they get the results back, which I agree is exceedingly long and agonizing for folks. But what we do is we actually apply what's called psychometrics to the exam. And we score each exam three separate times to ensure that it is properly scored and graded. Computers can and do make mistakes. This is a computerized process that takes place over hundreds of testing sites throughout the world. And so what we do is we make sure that there are no errors in the testing and the scoring. And as part of that process, we're also always looking at our questions to make sure that they were properly asked and that the answers were proper. And so once we go through that process, we release the scores back to individuals Anybody that passed will be notified, and then the folks that fail will receive a report. And what it does is it breaks down the report in those 10 knowledge areas and scores how everybody did. And so that provides you with an opportunity to see where you did well and where you didn't do so well. And it gives you 
a basic uh, understanding of how you did in those subject areas. So it provides a blueprint for you to go back and study. We do try to make this as transparent as possible. We do share all of the knowledge. The only thing we don't do is we don't actually share the scores of the exam itself with the exam takers. And that's an industry practice that we follow. So let's say I've, I've decided that this is something I want to have. I want to, I want to be known as a GIS professional. I, I start the, the process. I pass the exam. My portfolio is up to scratch. I sign my ethics statement. What happens next? So once you get all the paperwork in, you become a GISP and you receive a certificate stating so. And the GISP initial certification is for a three-year period. So during those three years, you have the certification and you are entitled to the benefits of it. But at the end of three years, the certification expires. And so what we ask all recertifying geospatial professionals to do to maintain their GISP is to submit another portfolio that looks at those same three fields, contributions, education, and experience, and then sign another ethics statement, basically just recommitting to the ethics. And so this recertification process is very similar to the initial portfolio application. However, it just looks at the three years of experience that you've obtained since your initial certification. And so what we're asking our folks to do is to continue to educate themselves and continue to contribute back to the profession. And so essentially what we're saying is you've met all the obligations of a GISP. Now we expect you to continue to meet those obligations as you move forward. Recertification is not a difficult process. Anybody that's maintaining activity in the geospatial field will have no problem recertifying. It's just a way of measuring and ensuring that our GISPs are continuing to meet the obligations of the certification. Can you give us an idea of how many GISPs that there are out there in the world and, and perhaps where they are? I have a feeling that, that they're going to be concentrated in, in North America. So you're absolutely correct. The majority of our GISPs are in North America. Over 10,500 individuals have achieved their GISP certification. There are roughly about 6,500 active GISPs. Not all GISPs maintain their certification. A number of retired or a number have moved on to other fields and haven't recertified. Of those 6,500 GISPs, we have GISPs on all continents except Antarctica, and there's a possibility that there is a GISP involved in research in Antarctica, but they don't have a permanent mailing address, so we can't claim that yet. We have GISPs in 59 countries, and we do have a global reach, but the vast majority of our GISPs are in North America, specifically the United States and Canada. I understand why people would want to do this, right, from a professional development standpoint. So I guess at some stage for a lot of us in our careers, we reach that point where perhaps we don't want to develop ourselves radically in, in, a, in a technical way. Maybe we're not interested in learning a new programming language or becoming a machine learning expert, but we, we want to develop. We want to move up instead of uh, across, if that makes sense, in terms of our career path. Do you see GISPs, do they get any sort of financial benefits from this? Can we document that if you get this certificate, you do commit to this certification, that you're more likely to go up in wage, for example? We do know that GISPs tend to make more in their profession than their peers. The most recent salary survey that was done, which is now a couple of years old and, and will be refreshed fairly soon, indicated about 60% of all GISPs receive some kind of compensation increase once they got their certification. 
So it's not necessarily all GISPs. It really just depends on who and where you work for, but a number of them do. We also know that many of the GISPs, employers will pay for their certification, they'll pay for their testing, and most importantly, they'll pay for their educational achievements as they continue to grow in the profession, which is a very important component of being the GISP, is that educational component as well. And so we do see that a number of them get additional compensation of some form, and we do see that there's a a preferential in a lot of different hiring processes for a GISP over a non-GISP. I realize this certification has been running for a while now, but do you see the push coming from any particular side like in order to in order to support this this kind of certification? Is there a push from the employer side or a push from the employee side? In the private sector, we see a push coming from the private sector industry itself requiring that all incoming employees either have a GISP or commit to working on the GISP once they become employed. When we look at some of our government or academic sector folks, then the push typically is coming from the individuals themselves, again, because they want to improve themselves as a geospatial professional, but they also want to gain that certification as a benchmark to exhibit the um, characteristics that they have and the qualifications they have to be a geospatial professional above and beyond the non-GISPs. This might sound like a, like a trivial question here, but GISP, so Geographic Information Systems Professional, is that what it, what it stands for? And, and the reason why I'm asking, because I noticed that you referred to GISPs before as geospatial professionals. Is this something bigger than, than GIS? Well, th- that's a very good question. And I think it, it begs kind of the discussion of what is GIS versus what is geospatial? When I got started 30 years ago, GIS was the only word that we had to describe our profession, and virtually nobody knew what it was. Today, I would argue that it's really more of a geospatial field, right? We've, we've grown beyond just the GIS software itself. And indeed, most folks still don't know what GIS is, but a lot of folks do know what geospatial is. And that's really where we've headed with our program. When you look at the exam and when you look at the knowledge areas, the reason we update our blueprint every three to four years is because the technology changes and it's really broadening itself. And so the next blueprint likely is going to have questions on new technology or relatively new technology, such as uh, UAS or drones, some of the changes in the satellite sensor sector and the like. And so it is, it is a growing field and it is definitely something that we try to make sure that we broaden in our scope. But at the end of the day, the name that we started with is, is, is the name that we're going to stick with. And indeed, we usually just say GISP and don't spell out or state out the GIS component of it because it really is certification for a geospatial professional, not somebody that's really locked into just the software side of GIS. I completely, completely agree with you. And I understand where you're coming from here. I'd just like to go back to the the idea of recertification. So I'm pretty sure that you said that we we actually only need to show up with a, a, a portfolio and sort of prove that we have maintained our skills, we are continuing to learn and continuing to contribute back to to the community at large. But it didn't sound like we needed an exam. And I thought it was really interesting before that that you mentioned, and rightly so, that technology is changing really quickly. So you update this exam every three years. Do you think that you'll reach a point where you need to have people retake that exam every three years to sort of help document that they are keeping up with, with 
the advances in technology? It's a very distinct possibility that we would require an exam in recertification. But if we do that, I can promise you that we'll get beat up over it. The exam itself is very difficult. It is not insurmountable, and the majority of folks that take it do pass, but it is a very thorough and rigorous exam. I think what's more likely as we start seeing our field diversify significantly more is that we're going to start looking at different certifications to complement the GISP, certifications that are very specific to certain parts of, of our industry. How we get there is to be determined. It could be an additional test or it could be an additional set of criteria. But we definitely are going to continue to, to monitor the GISP program, and we are going to make the changes that reflect what's going on with the field. So I would say it's a possibility, but it's not a plan at this point. No, and, and it would make more sense because, again, like when we think about the geospatial industry, I mean, there are so many different aspects you could be working in, right? And, and still calling yourself a, a, a geospatial professional. My day job, for example, I'm using a desktop GIS platform, and I have that sort of traditional GIS stack. And this is the, the skills I use each day are vastly different from the kind of skills a geospatial professional needs who's working with you know, machine learning and, and real-time satellite imagery. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest challenges, too, is that as we mature in our profession, a number of us, myself included, have moved away from software use and hands-on and moved into more of a governance role and more of a management role. And so when I took the test as a practice exam to help prepare for the exam that we we're going to administer this summer, I did very well on a number of the questions because they are all conceptual foundational questions based on information and knowledge that I gained very, very early in my career. So a lot of things surrounding conceptual foundations and fundamentals acquisition, cartography, and the like. But where it becomes more challenging is, for instance, programming. And there is a section and there are questions on programming. But if you're not actively programming, it makes it a little more challenging to try to take an exam every three years in that field. And so that's where I think the specializations are really going to probably come into focus because we really are branching out. We are heading in different directions. But at the very core, if you're going to count yourself as a geospatial professional, you do need to have that fundamental data set at the start of your career because it really sets you up in whatever direction you go. And so if you're into programming or if you're in remote sensing, you're still dealing with databases, you're still dealing with cartography and visualization and analysis of those data sets. And so there is that similarity. But again, you know, especially within the remote sensing community, we've gone from Landsat and Spot as our primary platforms to you know, literally dozens, if not hundreds of different sensors and sensors types that continue to, to grow. And it's really going to change our field. And so not everybody's going to keep up with that particular facet. Not everybody keeps up with drones and, and not everybody keeps up with programming. But we all do kind of have that central core. And, and that's what we want to maintain, at least initially in the process. If we come back to the, the GISP, the, the GIS professional certification here, what does the future of this look like? I mean, do you feel like it's got enough momentum now that it's going to continue growing by itself? Or are you actively out there lobbying for this, marketing for this? So the GISP program is growing organically, and we're very happy for that, and we're going to continue that process. But in the last year, we started to move the GIS Certification Institute into a more strategic role while we maintain the existing 
certification process. And so we're bringing on additional full-time staff. And really what we want to do is we want to start a much broader dialogue with the geospatial community, both within the United States, but also internationally because we want to make sure that our program remains relevant for not only the existing GISPs, but all of the future GISPs. And so we've started a strategic process. We're looking at a couple uh, initial opportunities, such as a GISP retirement certification for folks that have retired. We're looking at providing a designation for employers that are very proactive when it comes to uh, the GISP program and their staff. And those are some things that we're working on right now. But long term, we're looking at at working with our college students a lot closer, looking at potentially developing a new exam and opportunity for students as they leave college to enter the GISP. So it would be a first step in the GIS process and something that we could mentor, provide a mentoring path for those students. We're also looking at broadening our community and the organizations that represent and contribute to the GISCI. And so we want to talk with folks that aren't GISPs when we develop our exam and programs, make sure that we have that broad perspective. Even though we're a certification institute and we're very small, we don't want to isolate ourselves from the geospatial community. We really want to be a a part of it. And even if you're not a GISP, we still want to hear your perspective and your ideas because we want to represent the entirety of, of the geospatial profession, not just our GISPs. And so It's going to take a lot of work, but we're positioning ourselves to be able to do that. And indeed, we're already starting some of those dialogues, both within our our member organizations, but also outside. And long term, we really want to work with the international community, not only to bring the GISP out to folks that may not have heard about it, but to make sure that they are a part of the process, that our exams are written with the international community in mind, and that they are also part of our our portfolio of GIS professionals, because that's really what's going to enrich our profession is to make sure that we're representing all the different aspects of our field, but also all the different individuals. Tony, I think you've done an absolutely brilliant job sort of walking us through what this certification process looks like, the parts that involve. We talked a little bit about recertification and what the future of, of this might be like anyway. I'd like to sort of end addressing some of the, the, the pushback that I hear out there. So I have a feeling that when people think about this certification, a lot of people working in the industry already identify as a, as a GIS professional. They are proud of the work that they do. They are enthusiastic about the, the projects and the technology that they, they are using. And they think of themselves as geospatial professionals. And I think when people first hear about the certification, they think, what, does this mean that my work isn't good enough if I don't have this? Can I not call myself or consider myself a GIS professional if I don't have the certification? Would you mind talking to those kinds of pushbacks just for a second? Yeah, absolutely. I've heard those same things. And I think really our biggest enemy is ignorance. And I mean that really for all of us, not just the GISP program. We recently did a survey in, in the one of the organizations I represent. And it was really designed to ask members their opinion of the GISP program for their entire organization. But it was very clear in some of the responses that came back negative that the individuals really didn't understand what the program was. They were relying on opinions they made 10 and 15 years ago. And indeed, what we found was that a number of our older, more seasoned geospatial professionals came back and said, you know, initially, I didn't have a very high regard or I didn't really have a very high interest in the program. 
But as I began to learn more about the program, as I saw people around me getting their GISP certification, and I educated myself, I realized that there was a high value to the program. And the program and the certification isn't for everyone. But before you can form an opinion, you really have to understand and know what the program is and what we're trying to achieve. And indeed, I think when most people understand the program, they begin to see an appreciation and a value for what we're doing. The GISP program isn't unique. There are over 16,000 certifications, professional certifications in the United States alone, and there's a lot more worldwide. We're not inventing something new. We're just bringing professional certification to the geospatial industry and applying it as an opportunity for all. And I really like the quote of William or Bill Johnson. He is the Carpe Geo Evangelist, currently at AppGeo, but former CIO and GIO for New York State. And he was one of the ones that was a skeptic. And again, as he began to learn, he saw the value. And, and one of the comments he made that I like to share with other folks is that he feels that the GISP program reinforces behaviors that enrich the profession. And I really think that's a good way to, to sell our program to the uneducated and the folks that don't know about it, because that's really what it is. It may not be right for you, but it's right for a lot of folks because it, again, brings value to our profession and it brings value to the individual. Thank you very much for that. I really appreciate you addressing that concern because, I, again, this is something that I have heard again and again. And I have the feeling that, that people feel excluded, right? They have their hard-won geospatial skills, knowledge that they've worked hard to gain. And then I think they have an idea that somebody's showing up with a certification and saying, oh, actually, you still need to get through this one last gate before you can call yourself a geospatial professional. I think you can call yourself a geospatial professional if you are indeed a geospatial professional. The GISP certification adds to that professionalism. And indeed, we don't try to exclude ourselves. We don't want to we don't want to exist in a vacuum. We are very, very open to the community. We want to make ourselves known to all. We want to see all of our GISPs applicants succeed and our existing GISPs uh, succeed as well. And so if you're involved with the process, you know that we do everything we can to help you through that process. We post the blueprint on our website. We want folks to pass the exam because the exam's not set up really as a filter to, to get rid of the folks that don't deserve it. It's set up as a barrier in which to measure your educational knowledge. And so you really just need to educate yourself to pass the exam. It's not designed to trick you. It's just designed to test your knowledge. And if you don't have enough of the knowledge, it encourages you to go back and get it. And so we are not by any means an exclusionary group. We, we invite all on whether you choose to be a GISP or not and get that certification. We still want to hear from you and, and we will still want to be a part of the community. Tony, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for, for walking me through the, the, the process, what it looks like today, what it will look like in the future. And, and thank you very much for, for addressing some of those concerns that I've definitely heard out there in the community. I, I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, where can the listeners go if they want to reach out to you personally, continue this conversation, ask more questions, or perhaps find out more about the GIS professional certification? Folks can visit us at our website, GISCI.org. My contact information is in there. I would love to hear from folks. Folks can reach out via email or they can give me a phone call. Really want to hear from the community and uh, really want you just to check out the website and learn a little bit about the program and educate yourself. 
Thanks very much for your time, Tony. I, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you making time available for me. And I really appreciate that you asked some of those harder questions. So I think this episode might polarize people a little bit. I think some people will listen to this and say, yes, this is for me. This is what I've been looking for, a chance to distinguish myself. And I think other people will listen to this and say, what, am, am I not enough? Is it not enough, the work that I'm doing now? Is it not good enough? Do I not get to call myself a geospatial professional because I am not certified? Hey, I'm not convinced that this is a great way of thinking about this. I think we should be thinking about this in, in terms of the kinds of signals we want to send. So if you are the kind of person that wants to be certified as a GIS professional, great. You're going to send the signal to the world that I am a GIS professional. I believe in this certification. And you will attract other people that also believe in that certification. People will see the signal that you're sending and they will decide whether or not they want to engage with you. And I'm assuming the people that want to engage with you are people that are also looking for people that are certified as geospatial or GIS professionals. So we can use it to find the people. We can send a signal, hey, this is me. I believe in this. I am going this way. And this will help other people find us. It'll help us find the others. And so maybe this, this is not the kind of signal you want to send. Maybe you want to send another kind of signal. Maybe you're sending the kind of signal that says, hey, I believe strongly in open source software. That is why I am contributing to it. That is why I am involved in the community. That's the kind of signal that will attract the others. That's the kind of signal that will help other people decide how they should engage with you. I think if we ask both these people, these, these people to perform a specific geospatial task, a geospatial analysis, I think in a double blind test, we wouldn't be able to tell who was who. So this kind of begs the question, why are we doing this? What's the point? Well, I think, again, I think the point is sending a signal, attracting the others, letting people know what we believe in, what we stand for, where we're going, and perhaps how they should think about engaging with us. Maybe aligning ourselves with, with brands and, and, and symbols that are easily identifiable is more about community than it is about alienation. I think all of us want to belong. I think we want to be part of something. I think we want to see that we are not alone. And I think the signals we send have a huge role to play in this. That's it for me. That's it for another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in all the way to the end. I really appreciate it. As always, you're more than welcome to reach out to me. You can find me on Twitter at Mapscaping or there'll be a link in the show notes to my LinkedIn profile and you're more than welcome to connect with me there. Any thoughts, concerns, feedback about the podcast are, are always welcome. Please feel free to reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. That's it from me. I'll see you again next week. Bye.